p.m. Every Sunday, town's always about the culture. Do out in sculpture, recording every Friday. So here it our way, no need to catch a flight away. Stay tuned for our take. All right, welcome back, welcome back. Episode 84 of After Dinner Conversations. The squad is here all in different places, uh, or about to be in different places, even more so um, than we have been, but I'm glad to be back um, and recording with everybody. So let's do a little check-in, see how everybody's doing, see what's going on um, before we get started. So how's everybody doing? Dealing with rain, bro. Like I was saying earlier, <laughs> I think rain finally stopped. Um, and it kind of sucks when it was rains to this extent out here, because like I'm near a dog park, and so when I walk outside in the rain, it low-key smells like wet dog. And I think that's annoying. <laughs> um, I realized that last night when I was uh, dropping something off in my car. So it's kind of unfortunate. But other than that, I'm straight. Um, trying to stay well-rested. Technically, next week is Memorial Weekend. So Monday, I, I got off. And then Tuesday, I got professional development. So next week is a three-day weekend. So I'm just riding out to next week. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. I'm sure. I just finished the um, first year of my doctorate program, so the cheering for that. Um, if I had more money, I'd go to a dog game. Chicken for like a, even for a good little bowl spot. Um, but other than that, I'm just looking forward to the summer. Um, any big goals? I don't think I have two big goals. Honestly, I'm just trying to have fun this summer. I feel like. Mm. You know, Trying to be um, at events, just traveling. Um, Cowboy summer? Oh, no, I don't know about Cowboy summer. But <laughs> I will be um, – I definitely want to explore more events and stuff. I don't know if I leave the country this year. That's what I was thinking about. But, um, mm. but it's, like, we're going to get into it later. But these airlines are looking crazy with their flights, especially they know it's the summer and they know people trying to travel. That's a fact. Um, so – but other than that, I don't know. I don't know. Other than, like – I'm trying to be on my um my my fitness journey too. I'm trying to get actually like like locked down and then I've been like I'd be off and on with it over my twenties, but trying to lock in now. Um trying to get like Steven slim slim down. Um I'm gonna tell you I'm trying to gain weight. You niggas talking about slimming down. I've been saying that for seven years. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> you gained no pounds. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I'm just working towards like these goals. I don't know. I I wanna like just you know, have have like a, a memorable summer. I feel like because of like COVID stuff like that, summer has been like murky, I guess, because always feel like, you know, always gotta, we always got to like navigate something different for the past like two, three summers. So there's mm-hmm. something new that comes up. I'm looking at this now about talking about inflation. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm just working on, stuff like that. Word. So progress, but I'm doing good overall. I'll say that. But end on a positive note. That's what's up. Um, so yeah, I'm doing good as well. Just finished my first year of my last degree. So one more year left. No more school after that. I don't care what. PhD on the way, Dr. Hines. PhD on the way. Don't listen to anything anybody tell you. I'm done with school after this. Um, but it, again, it's been a long journey to, to do that. It's been a long year. Just one more year to go. Um, but finally, summer is more or less here. I've been able to, to travel a little bit. Luckily, I booked some flights before all this inflation and stuff started. Um, which is a blessing. So I've been able to explore. I'm in a new city uh, right now with friends. So um, it's super dope. Um, I'm out here in Detroit, first time out here. So just being able to see a lot of the history that's taken, um, taking place out here, some of the revitalization that's taking place, it's, it's, it's dope to just, again, like Mike said, explore new things and, and have new experiences. So it's been a good start to the summer, despite some travel mishaps, but you know that's bound to happen. If, you, if you're going to travel, there's going to be some mishaps. We're going to talk about those mishaps um, in a nice. little bit. But be- before we get into that, I do want to uh, slide over to Cocktail Hour and just talk about some of the conversations that have been taking place in the world this week, um, especially in the sports arena. So one of the things that has happened this past week was uh, Coach Nick Saban. Uh, I would say legendary Coach Nick Saban uh, at For this sure. point. Yep. Uh coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide uh, football team made some comments regarding the newly established NIL deals with the NCAA um, and talking about, he mentioned particularly 
you know, Jackson State and HBCUs and potentially panelists and uh, just sports spectators in general making comments or responding to uh, Coach Saban's comments, rather. And so I just wanted to get y'all thoughts on the comments, the NIL deal a little bit, but also, you know, just HBCUs in general and, you know, what's going on because they're at the forefront, I think, right now with the ability of NIL deals and what Deion Sanders is doing down there at Jackson State. Mm-hmm. You want to go, yeah. Steve? Yeah, I'll go. Um, yeah. I think well, what Deion Sanders is doing at Jackson State is uh, unprecedented in a very positive way. Um, mm-hmm. I think we, um, and I say we loosely because I'm not the biggest, I want to say like I don't watch as much college football as most other people, I think but have been talking about, you know, the big programs all will always have that leg up, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Michigan, like you name it, any big program, uh, Auburn, I'm going to forget somebody and they're going to cry, but it's so bad. Um, like all those programs always have a leg up because not only do they have the legendary coaches, they have the facilities to recruit these players um, and every year just be in the mix for the national championship playoff tournament. And I think the NIL deals have really pushed this agenda and not saying it's like that was their, their goal, but they pushed this agenda of athletes actually attending HBCUs and top recruits attending HBCUs. So they're actually competing uh, on a more level playing field. Um, and I think, you know, when we saw um, Deion Sanders go to Jackson State, we applauded it, you know, a black coach, former NFL player going there. It was great, but I don't think anybody had the expectations of how he'll be able to turn that program around this level and now have a way to recruit like literally the top um player in ESPN 100 mm-hmm. coming out of high school to come to Jackson State um so it's numerous applause for him and I think uh what you're witnessing now especially with the comments of Nick Saban is people kind of panicking in a sense like it's almost like a threat um, what Nick Saban is saying, like, don't let us get involved in these NIL deals. But I mean, the door's already open. Get involved. You know, it didn't necessarily stop other schools before to um, recruit players or poach players in such a way. Uh, I'm sure there's mad students who were going to schools and then Alabama come knock on the door. And next you know, they're in Alabama. And I think somebody, I don't know if you saw this, Corey, but I think Mike's seen it. There was like a tweet or something that somebody took a picture from like Facebook, or Instagram. And I was like, how how do all Alabama's new recruits have chargers? Do, does that come with the, the plan? And you'll see, like, you know, first the freshmen all have they all got a new whip as soon as they come to campus. And you know, sometimes football players don't come from the most economically stable backgrounds or whatever. Um, and so it's like how everybody got money for a new charger, that's 30 G's. I know you ain't lease it. Like <laughs> the credit now probably not to yeah. lease it. Um, and yeah. so I'm, I'm very happy for him. I'm glad he's making people upset because that's what he needs to do to get on, to get himself um, in a position where more people look at him and realize he's not only a good coach, but he's a great person, a good person for that program. So I applaud him. Yes, sir. Um, definitely shout out Coach Prime. Um, I want to start with Coach Saban's comments because I do think that they were, uh, they were inappropriate to call out, to single out two universities, Texas A&M and Jackson State University. Um, first and foremost, too, um, just to follow up on Stephen's point, I agree. I mean, we all, if we follow college sports in general, whether it's you know football or any other high money making sport, um, the reality of the college athletics about how they recruit, just because it wasn't you know in broad daylight, doesn't mean we all didn't have something to assume. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not accusing any particular university of anything. I'm just saying, to, for the examples that Stephen mentioned. Just like, you know, we we know, especially if you're going to give like more of a like a racial context to like, you know, how a lot of schools will follow these young black, uh, mostly black uh, boys and men. And these like, you know, they did tend to come from underprivileged communities, you know, so they are throwing lots of money at them to, to you know, on top of the, the collegiate benefits of like, the, like you said, the, uh, the $100 million budgets, world-class facilities, world-class trainers, these programs essentially being like, um, I, I forgot what to call them, but I think just quick, like quick pro development, like you know, like especially yeah. because they're coming in, 
so it's more so basketball, but they're coming in for like a year or two, maybe three, four years. Um, and they're essentially like saying, I'm going to, while you're here, I'm going to take you from this high school prospect to this professional uh, athletic prospect um, by the time you're finished with uh, going through our program um, and stuff like that. I just think it's, it's slightly hypocritical because, um, you know, I, like I said, I'm not going to accuse any university of anything, but I think we've all heard the stories. We've all seen some, uh, some, um, or heard the rumors of, uh, of athletes getting some type of support for their families, some type of payment mm-hmm. for this, some type of way that they, you know, something else outside of school boundaries that, that allows them to be incentivized to go to these high, these high earning universities. Uh, I'm also a fan that it does level the playing field um, because a, these are hypotheticals that I'm throwing out because like Duke's not good at football. I can't even think of schools right now. I'm over here in Texas. Oklahoma which is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really think about football schools. I'm over here in Texas. Let's say Oklahoma. Like, let's yeah. say, like you know, Oklahoma, um, you know, like they wanted to recruit this top recruit, you know, this nice quarterback, and, you know, he's doing well. But, like, you know, he needed that type of, like, extension. Like, you know, it's not, it's, it's not, it's, it's not like, you know, and he wanted to either, he had the choice between going for a school that he might feel more belonging in, whether it was HBC or not, or just or Hispanic certain institution, or you'd rather go to a, a program that's going to, give them the platform and the spotlight. Like, you know, these name, image, and likeness deals, these mill deals, they're the ones that are kind of saying like, you know, if, because you can make this money off your likeness, I want, oh, I, I, I can actually have more choice in where I go for my athletics, for my education, for um, the benefit of my athletic career too. And because I think that's creating, it's just, it, it kind of like almost immediately shifted a lot of historical college dynamics in terms of how the business of college sports has traditionally been uh, conducted too. And so, I mean, it's a lot of positive to it. I, I fully disagree with Nick statement. I don't think this is necessarily a, uh, a consequence of like, you know, players that actually didn't make, being able to make their names, you know? Um, and I think, I think maybe the, the success of Jackson State has just been notable too over the years. They've had some pretty great recruiting classes um, since, uh, since Deion Sanders took over as head coach. Uh, and he'd also done well too during the seasons. Um, but yeah, I think I'll leave it right there because I just, I don't know. I just thought that it was inappropriate. I mean, I feel like it's a little hypocritical. Like we know what these big name programs are doing. Like we we know all the world and money goes and yeah, you know. And God forbid we interview actually former players of these programs. And, you know, right. some type of truth, but secrets are secrets. So I ain't trying to ruin nobody. Secrets are secrets. I ain't trying to ruin nobody bag or you know call nobody out. No, but I'm just saying that's not that's not. I feel like the 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 interview the interview theatrics was, it was, it was that's why that's why they're so mad like the Texas A&M coach he said they're not even taking his call Deion Sanders like I'm not talking privately with you while because you did it public like you know yeah. you did it publicly and like like you know like it just didn't make sense to me it was definitely it was a terrible move um and like the problem is like like you're Alabama you get the best recruiting class like historically most of the time like I don't understand what was the need what's to, your complaints to, yeah like to bloviate <laughs> and, and on or guess these you know guess these universities publicly especially like some of your rivals and. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. It's crazy. It's just unnecessary. So, I mean, the Texas A&M, I'm, I'm over here still talking about my last thing, but the Texas A&M coach, like you said, it was a lot of had to do with um, Nick Saban's like, personality. He called him a narcissist. Like, it was, you know, he had some hard, pretty direct comments to say about uh, the, those comments that he made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're one of the best coaches and if not the best in college history. Like, oh, for sure. 100%. If you, don't, if you don't get the first, second, or third recruit, you should be, you should be all right, coach. Like, <laughs> develop talent. Like, what do, what do you want us to do? Like, it's not like these football players leave after a year like basketball. Like, you got gone for three years. You didn't get the number one recruit. Develop him into a number one draft recruit. <laughs> Roll time. Let's go, man. Roll time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nah, I agree. I agree. I think the only thing to add, I would add, is I think the purpose of the NIL deals was to give players more bargaining power, right? Mm-hmm. To be able for them to make their decision, not the decision that, you know, not the decision that, you know, like the, the school makes for them or anything like that, so that they can say, hey, you know, this is who I am. This is my, like Mike said, this is my name, my image, my likeness. And I want to bring this to, you know, Jackson State, I want to bring this to Auburn. I want to bring this to Alabama, but I want to control that process, right? I want to be in the driver's seat of that process. I don't want anybody being able to sort of make that decision more or less for me. And I think we're seeing that bargaining power, right? It's like, hey, if I can, you know, bring my name, image, and likeness and feel the same support, the same talent development, you know, at an HBCU and also get a sense of belongingness that I might not get anywhere else, then, you know, that's what I'm going to take. So I think we see that. 
um, more and more. And, you know, for some programs, it probably is hard to see because I don't think players have had this type of voice and bargaining power in the recruiting process in quite some time. So um, I think it'll be interesting definitely to see moving forward. Um, and, but I'm excited for, for the ability for these players to have this bargaining power. So appreciate y'all. We got one more cocktail hour question um, so we don't spend too much time. But we were just talking before we got on the pod about inflation in general, but I think particularly, you know, travel expenses when it comes to gas prices, when it comes to airline flights. And so I just wanted to see, you know, are these are these prices inflation already changing summer plans? Is it shoot, is it even changing just how we, you know, budget and spend money in general? Because I know we all want to travel and see friends and see family, especially now that we're away from home. So just thoughts on all these these, these prices rising. Yeah, I think it's pretty unsustainable society-wise. <laughs> like inflation kind of um well, I forgot when it started. I feel like it started like what last, like end of last year kind of, um, when prices started going up um for stuff. But it's pretty crazy. Um I, I do think it's it's unsustainable. I think people are being because I mean, it's not just like we you know gas and stuff, it's definitely for housing. It's like everywhere. It's food, everything, you know, literally, yeah. So yeah. it's 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 pretty it's pretty bad. Uh, I think the rate of it is so bad because like, I I I know that we're not we're all not getting raises fast enough to keep up with the inflation. You know as fast as inflation has gone, um you know and that's in, and like and not much less for working class people. Um, definitely adjust my plans for the summer because I, I I joke with y'all just before like I'm I can't even buy round trip flights no more. I I gotta keep them first <laughs> one way trips when I'm not going on vacation. When I'm not going on vacation, of course. But like you know, if I'm just traveling the country, like. And you just have to watch out for the prices. They're getting like crazy extreme. I don't know, and I'm not flying Spirit. I just I can't. I can't go, bro. Yeah, exactly. I love yourself. You know, with all due respect to that company, like I can't, I can't go that cheap. Look, Spirit, mm-hmm. Spirit is cool, man. I don't like all the Spirit hate. I rock with Spirit. Man. I guess, like I said, anything. with all due respect, I, mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> Corey yeah, likes extra turbulence in his flight, and seats <laughs> the seatbelts don't work. That's the problem. He might slip on the edge. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, but yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, it affects my plans as far as it's just this travel thing. Like the gas, like the gas is crazy. I just driving past, you see four or five dollars, just makes you sick to my stomach. I ain't stopping my car. I'm going home. <laughs> like you know, I was gonna be mad at the gas pump. Like, um, but yeah, I just I'm trying to navigate it as best I can. But it makes it seem like I just need more money than like the more more income than what I'm getting right now just to keep up with how the world's becoming more pricey. Uh, also, I just saw my older brother real quick because he said that. You know, now it's not even a difference between ordering out and buying groceries because the groceries now are just as expensive as like getting a meal to or from like from like ordering out. Um, yeah. So it's just been crazy. No, it's been nuts. Like, like I think my kid on the money especially with the groceries. I go grocery shopping. I, mean, I live by myself, and I look down. I'm like, how did I just spend almost two hundred dollars on groceries? Like, what is this? And are, are all these meals going to feed me for the next month? No, they're not. No, not. But, <laughs> Like I, I really like the the way things have been at an uptick the last few months uh, from a price perspective. It's been kind of crazy, and I really realized there's been like a lot of like little shortages for different things. Like where I'm at, like there's no cream cheese almost at any of the grocery mm. stores. I don't know why. So you might might be having those supply chain issues. Exactly. There's that. There was that with chicken at one point really early on in the spring. Um, <laughs> All right, hold on. My fault. My fault. But don't let me start it. How they try to um, start taxing chicken wings and as if they were some delicacy. Yeah, I'm like, bro. why are you charging taxing. six wings? Taxing. Six wings for twelve dollars. I've seen seven wings. I've seen ten wings for twenty two dollars. Uh, like, I call it lost your damn mind. I am well, not paying. Lost your mind. What you say? Yeah. Like this is not. You go to New York. You eat chicken wings for appetizers. Eleven dollars. They give you four. No, <laughs> like no, no sauce can be that good. I'm sorry. I I, I swear I don't know you good. I swear at the wings. I'm like, yeah, I ain't that hungry. The guy can keep those ones. Y'all can. I'll wait to see our price go down. I just can't believe all that. Um, but yeah, it was like that for chicken. Um, in certain spots, I've seen like uh, they run out of like pasta sometimes. Um, I don't think they ever ran out of ground beef. I've seen they did run out of like steak and stuff like that. I don't know. It's just been like I walk through aisles and like. Now I was thinking I'm gonna pick up. I'm just like, yo, y'all, y'all don't have this. And I go to that grocery store. I'm like, oh, it must be like a thing. Like it must be short right now. Um, but it's tough. It's tough. Um, especially um, if you're not by a major airport, flights are just at an all-time high. Um, like 
It's just, even even if you are at a major airport, I feel like at this point, like it's crazy. Oh no, it's definitely crazy. Um, but it sucks because when you're not a major airport, you probably have to take a detour to a major airport to get somewhere else. And that I feel like they just they really just lumped that into the price of the the thing. Like if I needed to go to like I don't know, let's say I wanted to go to Phoenix, like I couldn't get a direct flight to Phoenix. I had to probably fly to Chicago. And so a flight that could have been technically three hundred dollars, four hundred. Like, oh, you gotta go to Chicago. Let's add another three hundred for the boy. And like now it's like eight hundred flight to Phoenix. I'm like Phoenix, right there, and it's not right there, of course. It's already on the other side of the country. But you get my point. It's just I don't know. I, I really do feel. I really wonder how some families are surviving this. I know I know people know how to make a dollar stretch, but my God, like how long are you gonna stretch the dollar? You know. So I hope things change relatively soon. But the way the summer is going. The way it's hot in certain places and, you know, the world is, quote unquote, back open and everybody willing to do things. I think people are going to take advantage of that. Um, and you're going to see a lot of credit card swiping, no cash. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> Mike, why'd you laugh yeah, like that? We, we living up our banks all summer, man. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's not financial advice. I think Please, you don't, you don't, don't run credit. You yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, we're joking, I think Stephen hit, hit it on the money when he said, you know, a lot of credit cards being swiped. Because I think we have to realize that even though the world has been, quote unquote, back open for what, about a year now, depending on who you ask, depending on where you live, <laughs> right? Screw it, man, screw it, screw it. But, a lot, I, but for some people, it's really just opening, right? There were a lot of people that, you know, have been hesitant over the past year, especially mm -hmm. as it comes to family in different parts of the country. So I think, you know, a lot of people are still itching to go see, you know, for the kids to go see their grandparents, right? I'm sure there's been, you know, babies born in the past year, whatever the case is, that haven't, you know, seen their grandparents or certain aunts and uncles. I know, you know, family reunions that for me got postponed are now happening this year. So People are, there are places that people are going and that they want to feel embraced and feel like the people that they miss for the past two or three years, they want to, you know, touch them and hug them and, you know, laugh with them Thanks. in person and all that stuff. So I think, you know, we don't want everybody running up their credit. And, you know, I hate to see all these flights because I would love for people to say, hey, you know, I just want to fly because I haven't been able to fly in the past two years and I want to go see family and be able to hop on a flight and afford it and not have to feel like they're breaking the bank or picking mm -hmm. and choosing between groceries and, you know, all these other utilities and expenses. So, you know, hopefully people are able to find a way to make it work, but I think more, more so hopefully, you know, these things don't last long, whether it be, you know, even if flights stay up, maybe gas prices go down, right? Something to, to sort Balance of break it out, up. right? Exactly, because right now everything everything is up, and obviously that's how inflation works. But you know, hopefully mm -hmm. there there is a break very very soon. Um, so again, appreciate y'all. That's been a really good cocktail hour. We probably spent a little too long on it, but it's all good. It was a great conversation. And so now transitioning into the topic for this week. So I want to just talk about. So I think for me, so I had a crazy travel story uh, this past weekend, and I spent you know a bunch of time in the airport. And things just not going as planned, making calls, standing in customer service lines. And I'm sure, you know, people that travel frequently have experienced this. But it just made me think about how a lot of times you learn your lessons in life, like the real, the big lessons that you remember when things don't go according to plan, when things, you know, completely blow up or go, you know, completely off the rails. That's where you learn, you know, life's biggest lessons. And so, what I just want to talk about for you all to share. And some important life lessons you've learned through unexpected trials, things that just completely went awry, completely, like you didn't plan this at all. What are some things that you learned in those situations? Life sucks. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> the, the number one uh, life principle to learn as you mature, life is terrible. Um, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, Steven triggered me before I even started. Because, <laughs> um, like, uh, that's like kind of like my like prevailing thoughts when like stuff, unexpected stuff happened that makes things difficult. And I'm always like, damn, this is just terrible <laughs> all around. But important life lessons I've learned from the unexpected. Um, you know, I think it definitely, for one, it definitely gave insight into my 
I'll say my, not really a need, but my drive to control like outcomes in life. Um, particularly from like when I was like a teenager, adolescence, like, you know, like we always have like, I feel like we always, we always like to plan ahead of course. We always like to imagine how things are gonna go. Uh, but then I, but when I was younger, I used to be upset when things deviated. And then because I was upset, I would kind of like sink in myself or not really be prepared to even go like continue going forward and just making adjustments or making audibles. Um, instead, I would just be like very like put off or I would just be thrown off my how throw off my performance um, or just kind of clock in my head. Um, and I learned that like, you know, I had to go about I mean, it's cliche, but going about expecting the unexpected, going about, you know, praying for the best, you know, uh, uh, but planning for the worst type of mindset. And it's definitely helped me a lot. Just my, just how I handle the shocks of like kind of the, and how I react to it. And well, I started reacting, I started to respond, like kind of having a conscious kind of put back into the world or in order to my plans and to my actions. And yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing. I think that's been the biggest change over me just to start off. Yeah, I think I think for me, um, I blame myself for a lot of things, even though I know it's not my fault. So I gotta kind of like sometimes take a step back and realize because something didn't go some way, it's not necessarily my fault. Um, I'm the type of person you know me. I'm just telling myself I'm not serious. Um, like I don't know, I I could find a where I could have adjusted if I either had more proactivity or or used uh, more thought. Sometimes I feel like again, some things you can't control. But I'm like, mm, man. When I was procrastinating buying this flight, yo, I should have just bought it a little bit earlier. Or I'm like, oh, I was too giddy and I bought this flight too quickly. I should have waited. Like, I would, like those type of things run into my head. And those are not really things you should be thinking about. Because if you know anything about travel or anything else, it's kind of like really out of your control once you buy certain things. Um, and weather and stuff you can't control. But um, kind of similar to Mike, um, how I, I want to have control of things. I, I like things. Even though I can be a last minute planner, I like my last minute planning with organization nonetheless. Um, and so I feel like uh, I kind of put it upon myself to kind of like move pieces to make things work smoothly because I don't like stress. Um, and I don't like anything that surrounds stress. Um, but I think, I, you know, I've, if anything, I've learned a lot about what well, just taking things as they come. Like, you know, this happened, okay, like, eat it, swallow it, whatever, pause, like, just do what you got to do and move forward. Mike, I had to. I know this going to eat me up, too, and I slick on the pod when they listen. They're going to record a soundbite. Um, yeah, so. No, I think those, those are both valid. Um, I think for me, the thing that I would add is learning to always just have a backup plan. Mm -hmm. Always have, you know, whether it be, hey, don't if you got a travel budget, make sure you obviously try to stick to the budget, but something probably will go left. And so if you only have that much money in your account total on the trip, you probably shouldn't go because, you know, whether it be a flight change, whether it be an extra taxi that you didn't account for, whether it be, you know, you, God forbid, happen to get sick in, you know, the country that you're in or whatever, and you got to go to urgent care, whatever, whatever it is to mm -hmm. always have a backup plan always have something to to fall back on and I think also and I've learned this probably more and more as I've gotten older and I've just happened to see you know unfortunately people around me pass away that are relatively young mm -hmm. is that you know this this life is not long yeah. and you know I think our goal is to make it as long as possible you know we all want to you know pass away of old age but you know that's not always a reality, right? We talked about the Buffalo shooting, uh, you know, last pod, and just just seeing things like that, it reminds you to make the most of of what of the time that you have here to you know talk to the loved ones, to go get the degree, to you know go experience the new place, to move, to to thrive, and to just try try things out. And I think you know a lot of times we forget that element. I think that's probably the biggest life lesson that I've learned through you know unexpected loss is you got to, you know, take each day as a blessing because, because it truly is. And I think a lot of times we forget that. Uh, I agree. I agree. Life's too short, man. So can't hold shit over your head forever, but here we are. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I'm going to skip around a little bit because Mike mm -hmm. mentioned it um, when he talked about controlling situations, but 
would you describe yourselves as adaptable, right? Would do you tend to be, I think a lot of times, you know, from knowing the two of you and knowing myself, we tend to plan ahead and try to control situations. So how would you describe, you know, your adaptability, both, you know, as Mike said, when he was a child trying to control, but also how it's developed over time? Man, I'm a chameleon. Fuck out of here. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think I'm pretty adaptable. I think I sometimes I'm just begrudgingly adaptable. Like I have to, I have to realize that like I have to adapt because something went wrong. The adapting part is easy. I feel like, you know, just with life, I think I can switch gears and do whatever. But I got to get past the thought of, damn, we really, this is really not going to work. Like, there's no way to finesse this. And that sometimes can be instant. Sometimes I'll, I'll linger with, like, damn, there's really no possibility that we can make this happen. Okay, fine. But I don't think I have problems necessarily adapting. Um, at least that's me personally. Yeah, I would say, like, yeah, I'm definitely not that child anymore. Because um, you have to learn how to adapt to get far in life, um, to get far in your career, to get far in anything, honestly. Um, you need to be able to be flexible. Um, and things will quite literally never go as planned, <laughs> at least. Like, you know, um, at least it didn't for me. Uh, I don't think, I'm sure it probably didn't for y'all. Just like, not even college, just life in general. Like, how we thought it was going to be and, like, where we're at, where we live and so on and so forth. Um, I think... I, I'm very adaptable because I learn how to have a solution-based mindset. Um, so when problems happen, it's, and there's problems, I mean, we're saying we say problems, but like there's of course a, a wide degree of how problems, the severity of problems that happen from like life-threatening to like serious, to like, you know, somebody dying to, you know, their school work stuff, you can't get along with mental health stuff, all types of problems. But like, you know, when there's things to happen, if there's situational problems, like solution by, by solution-based mindset, I mean that, like, you know, I'm going to be locked, like if the issue comes, I'm going to be locked in on where we are at, where we're at right now, which is point A, and how do we get to point B? And I know that when serious, when more serious things happen, it's like, there's a lot more emotion involved in it too. Um, but even in those situations, I kind of tend to steady the ship within myself. And then so I can steady the ship with everyone else around me um, too, because I think that there's times where things can be deeply upsetting, things can be terrible situations and problems but I feel like if I am not having like a stillness of mind and you know and being focused on like how can we like even though things are terrible right right in front of our eyes right in front of our face if I don't have that stillness of mind to be like okay but how can we how can we get to where we need to be and no matter you know even even from like I think to some people might sound sensitive I'm not really coming up with my emotions but I think there's just time where I need to prioritize my how I'm going to analyze the situation and get us to where we need to go um as well and because like being clear-minded and i think that goes right kind of hand in hand with being adaptable like being able to see what's coming next and be able to analyze what's happening diagnose a problem diagnose a solution then carry out the execution of that solution like you know it's not a lot of people that can kind of do that at a quick pace and i've been trying to learn that as like far as my leadership development so being adaptable um you know like you know i i definitely describe myself as that because you know like, even like i would just say even our three examples of like us living on our own being independent at a like, you know um relatively younger age um well compared to our generation um and like you know it's, it's we know it's a lot <laughs> we know it's a lot trying to move find an apartment like you know i'm sure us moving to where we are now was not as smooth as we always wanted to, as we thought it was going to be as we wanted it to be um it requires us to make changes and stuff like that so um i i, I definitely am adaptable now but I'm, I'm i'm only adaptable because i learned through those trials through those life challenges to say like you know i don't really have problems damn sometimes uh, <laughs> like you know I, I don't have problems like i can like really like i don't have examples in my mind i can really mm -hmm. bring up but like you know let's say like the number one problem that's annoying like like you drive in you see a check engine like come on your car biggest problem that we all hate um but even that type of stuff it's just like you know i can be upset about it i can be i can gloviate i can be mad when he give me the the um the uh, I forgot what they call it. The quote to to fix my car and stuff like that. But I like I need a car. Like I need to get around. And like you know, and I need to find the money to get this done. Like you know, I think what what matters more is the ends rather than like you know me exclaiming them in this like terrible situation. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. That makes sense. What about you, Gore? Um, I think I would say I try to be adaptable and I try to be flexible. In, in an ideal sense, but I definitely struggle with it. And I think that is because I'm a planner 
and so I think even as I look at like small things like you know planning a weekend trip or just some outings for the weekend when you know the restaurant just wants to close early I'm like bro I like I had this oh, like, so I, <laughs> you know and obviously that's mm-hmm. a very minor example but yes. I think you know I still do when things when challenges happen large or small I still do have my moment of frustration at the beginning where I think a lot of people you know can jump into that solution based mindset as soon as something happens I still have that right let me I gotta regroup because I need that time to to digest it and maybe that's how I start my solution process and maybe it's just a little bit delayed but I definitely take that time you know I'm like all right I'm frustrated this thing go as planned let me breathe. Let me figure out, you know, the details of the situation. Let me figure out, you know, what can what can I do next? And so I do tend to have that uh, solution-based mindset, I think, in a delayed fashion. But also what I'm learning more and more when it comes to challenges that happen is how to prioritize them, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, even, you know, Mike said, hey, you know, if the check engine light comes on while you're driving, I'll go to, I'll go to the mechanic and, you know, I'll see what's going on. But I also realized that every situation that, you know, the check, every situation that the check engine light brings doesn't necessarily affect drivability immediately. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's how, that's how I try to think about life. Right. So every, every challenge doesn't need, okay, I got to drop everything and figure this out. Yeah. Everything mm-hmm. doesn't need, okay, I got to pay for this right now. It's like, okay, you know, this doesn't affect drivability right now, but I want to get this fixed. So let me start, you know, saving, you know, 50 bucks a week or whatever the case is to, to pay this and go get this done. And so I think that's one of the things that I've learned from moving, from college, from, you know, trying different adventures and, you know, going to new cities and all this other stuff is how to prioritize challenge. Because like we said, life will always be full of them. There will always be multiple things going on at once. But what will keep me calm in a situation is being able to check things off across the priority list and not look at them as, okay, I got six challenges that I need to figure out because I don't think anybody can focus that way. So I think you need to say, hey, you know, this is the the challenge that needs to be dealt with immediately. Everything else falls to two, three, four, five, six on the list. And I think if I think about it that way, I'm able to, to find a solution easier. And, you know, some people can deal with multiple things at once. I think for me, when it comes to challenge, yes, there's sometimes two challenges that happen at the same time and you got to figure that out. But for the most part, I think you're able to prioritize. And for me, if I can do, once I can do that, then the solution mindset comes in and I think I'm good to go. But I definitely have that immediate frustration. Like when I was in the airport and these flights got canceled, I was like, yo, let me sit down for a second because bro, like, and I think it happened. No, I didn't say, let me sit down. I said, let me think while I wait in this customer service line, because if I go sit down, this line is about to be, I don't know how long in 30 minutes, but, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely taking that time to regroup, whether for me, sometimes that's calling folks like, yo, I just need to talk through the situation real quick. And, you know, I think we all know what we need to do in certain moments of challenge. So I think we, we might all have that person that we call or, you know, that thing that we do or that song that we listen to, to be like, all right, let me get myself back in the right frame of mind so that I can, I can find a solution to this problem. Yeah, Corey. Um, I definitely oh, thank you for everything that you said and sharing that. Um, I definitely say don't um, don't. I hope I didn't frame it in a way that you know make it seem like you're taking time for your emotion. I think for me, I should contextualize that. Like, <laughs> I just have trauma. <laughs> I think I should have worded it better. Um, I first of all, I just have trauma from like doing. I feel like I just had to like do a lot of things in life after I turned 18 on my own, so I had to like always had to cut off like how I felt about things to like figure out how I was gonna get to my next step. Um. That's for one and two. Um, yeah, I hope I hope our audience. Um, I didn't mean to make it sound as hyperbolic as if I dropped everything. <laughs> no, you it go, well, you know, I just hope just to give context on because like what you said yeah. is definitely the more realistic way of going about life. Um, yeah, I just I just wanted to I just wanted to frame my approach as like in my mindset is like always like you know if there's this major problem then like I need to like figure this out like kind of a similar to see I just I need to figure this out like as much as no matter how much time it takes um and I don't know I think that I just have a I think I just have a drive for like not giving up on things um mm. not not really quitting I don't know I, 
I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure it out. Like, you sent us this question. I've been thinking about it for a while. Clearly, I should have prepared more before, <laughs> yeah. record, before we record it. It's a little bit earlier than, than we usually record. But, uh, but yeah. Look, no, we, can, just, we, we, we can always do part two. I love doing that's part true. two. Yeah, I agree. So we good. Yeah, we can stop talking. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> it's true, man. I don't know. I even, I even lost what we're talking about. I got lost in the last, like, no, no, no. Yeah, no we're talking about the, um, are we adaptable? Uh, are you adaptable when things change? I'm sorry. Are you, yeah, are you, yeah, are you no, adapting no. when things don't go as planned? I was just saying, I was yeah. getting my... Yeah, yeah, yeah your second part. Okay, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm like, wait, did we... A new question came up? <laughs> no, 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 you can go. Nah, 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 I think no, but, Corey had good sentiments. Yeah, go ahead. Um, no, no go you're ahead, good. Man. I was saying your sentiments is, is, on, is on, on the money. Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah, um, that's dope, that's dope. So I think how I'm trying to wrap this up is... Mm-hmm. And I think Mike just touched about it a little bit, you know, as he mentioned, he mentioned trauma, but I think ultimately... You know, sometimes trauma is what creates the lessons that we're even talking about, right? You know, having mm-hmm. to, unfortunately, right? And I think we all have to deal with that, you know, in our own way. But I think a lot of times when we look back at things, you know, it's the it's the hard situations that led to growth, right? It's the challenging situations that lead to growth. And I just want to, you know, get your overall thoughts because there's also lessons that we learn from sitting on the couch and, you know, listening mm-hmm. to our parents and our grandparents. And we talked about those, you know, a couple of weeks ago in terms of passing down and sharing knowledge and sharing wisdom. But, you know, do you feel overall that learning by doing, learning by struggling, trial and error is a more effective, tends to be a more effective way of learning life lessons? Or do you feel they sort of play an equal, equal level when it comes to, hey, you know, what my grandfather told me in the barbershop, like I took that lesson just as much as I took the lesson from, you know, trying this new opportunity and failing at it. And, you know, that's the lesson I got from that. So how do you feel like those those play out um, in terms of their effectiveness? Mm. It's okay to answer your question directly. It's more effective to get to take to learn things from other people. I think that's going to well, from people we care about and love. I think that's going to actually root or kind of cling on to our mindsets better when we're under than us going through life experience a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, we're talking about effectiveness. Um, you go ahead, Stephen. You go ahead. I, I just want to answer yeah. that. I, do, I definitely do think being told something is definitely sits with you more. Um, I, I, I'm on the other side of the spectrum. I think mm-hmm. experiencing it kind of sits with you a little bit harder. Not to say you should experience it. I mean, if you can avoid it, you can. And that's, I think, always uh, a positive. But I think when you experience it, there's like a, a level of understanding that you kind of get from being in the situation that even if you can sympathize or understand intellectually what it is, um, I think feeling it is different. Um, And fortunately or unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes those type of things are pseudo necessary for you to understand the gravity of the situations you find yourself in. Um, And then um, I guess the second part of that, um, Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't know. I feel like the effect of people telling you things adds to just a level of wisdom where you will carry yourself differently. Um, so not necessarily that um, their experience moved you specifically, but I think it makes you think differently about things. And maybe you can take that for not necessarily related to the advice they gave you, but to other things as well. And I feel, I don't know. I feel like experience is important. I think a lot of, I think it's, you have to have the intellectual capacity to sympathize or understand somebody's experience and truly learn from it. And I don't think everyone can do that True. necessarily. So that's where my mm-hmm. thoughts are coming from. That's an important point. I agree. Because um, experiences do, I mean, we all go through the same experience, but we all have different takeaways um, mm-hmm. as well from my experience. So to say how much people learn from their experiences is definitely tough, but uh, I think they're, they're related. Um, and I think that be going through experiences and you know especially negative ones or, hard, or hardships and like learning from that that's just a very foundational part of like human experience like you know we can't run away from that we've all had unpleasant experiences since we were, like we went through since we were kids we don't gotta dig into it it's not therapy but we know we all we all know what we're talking about we all can have it, uh, examples in our heads um and it does it does shape you for the better I guess I don't know. I think the framing of it can be different. Yeah, because not everyone learns from their experiences. No, they repeat it. Well, some, some people, I mean, speaking of trauma, some people just have the trauma from their experiences. Like you know, there's not really nothing really coming to learn. It's just a lot of pain. Um, 
No, I, I think before before you go ahead, Mike, I just want to respond yeah, to that. I think you made I think you make a really good point there because as I'm thinking about the question myself, I think there needs to be an end of the two. Right. And mm -hmm. I say that because I've always been a proponent of, you know, life experience, trial and error, because I feel like, you know, being in a situation, you know, knowing being surrounded by all the events and all the scenarios and all the circumstances really add value. But I think sometimes there needs to be a third party, you know, so to speak, to bring out the lesson that's learned from that situation. Right. So I think we can all experience things, but we might not even understand the lesson ourselves until, you know, we digest that situation. Until we say, you know, maybe I'll, I'll tell Stephen or Mike about, you know, I went through I went through this and they'll be like, oh, and then they'll frame it in a way that I didn't even think about the situation. Or I didn't think about the value add that that's there. And I think sometimes there needs to be a blend of both, because even as I think about people sharing lessons and sharing their wisdom, a lot of times they'll paint the story in a way that doesn't give you the authentic experience, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you tell me a lesson and you always the hero, I'm just like, hmm, I don't mm. know if this is how it actually, I don't know if this is actually how it happened. <laughs> and I think we always have to acknowledge that element as well because we love telling stories in our purview. And they always say, what, there's, there's three sides to every story, right? You know, yours, the other person's and the truth somewhere in the middle. So I think we always have to take these lessons with a grain of salt. And so I feel like there is a balance. You know, you're in the situation, you learn from it, but there's sometimes you need to digest that. And that's why, you know, friends are so important. That's why, you know, therapists are so important. That's why, you know, coaches and mentors are so important because they allow you to see the value add of circumstances that you went through. And I think, you know, just finding that middle ground is, is super important. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Um, and so I think that's, I think we can end it there, right? I don't want to keep, I think this is a big conversation and, you know, I don't want to keep cycling it around, but I think we can definitely do a part two about this because, you know, having this conversation, starting it, but it also allows us more time to think and, you know, think about some different scenarios, but, you know, life is, life is tough. And I think we need to have more of these conversations. And, you know, I think even as we talked about Kendrick's album, I finally went back and listened to the rest of it. And mm. I think it, it truly of, is, too. exactly. It truly is a, a memorable album. I think, I don't know. I got to listen to all the other albums before I say anything. Let me not compare. Mm. I'm not even going to make that comment. But I think the <laughs> fact that he's able to, I think the fact that he's able to, you know, write the way he does and tell the stories the way he does and talk about his struggles is super important. And I'm so glad that rappers are doing this on the main stage nowadays. And I'm, you know, so glad that we're able to have these conversations on a smaller scale within friend groups, but even here on the podcast. So thank y'all so much for, mm -hmm. you know, agreeing now this conversation, but also being, you know, great participants and adding value to it. So I truly appreciate that. And so last question that we have, we have this table talk question and thank you for sending this table talk question in. So make sure, let me do it right now. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at ADConvos, on Instagram at ADConvos, submit your table talk questions. Again, we love to we love to have the audience be participants of the conversation. I think the best way to do that right now. Again, if you want to be on the pod, reach out to us as well. But you know, the table talk conversations and questions, uh, we truly value and appreciate. So the table talk question for today, any tips for maintaining long distance friendships? I think a lot of people are moving away from home, trying new cities, exploring new opportunities. And, you know, sometimes it can be hard to maintain it. We talk about these travel costs, right? You can't just say, hey, mm -hmm. I'm coming to visit for the weekend. So any tips for maintaining those long-term friendships um, that you definitely want to you know, keep around in your life moving forward? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit easier in our day, in our time. Um, well, we're, we're, let's say, give context. We're, we're like mid-20s. Mid um, so we're yeah. all, you know, we're all like have adult things now. Hey, some people got kids, and I don't have kids, but that's that's, that's extreme adult thing. <laughs> adult thing you can do. Um, you know, I got friends married, engaged, moving around the country. Um, for one, like 
your schedule is never going to line up the way we did when we were younger. So it is what it is. Um, people are people are living their lives. Never really don't hold them against people. For, first of all, for being busy and having a life to live. Um, two, but I also think that social media makes it easier to keep in touch with people. But like, it's hard. It's, it's hard to give general advice because like every individual person is different. How they go about their friendships is different. Are different. Um, and their communication style is different. But I don't know. I feel like I do feel like social media covers up for a lot of that. Kind of like. You know, basketball defenses. You got the one bad defender, but you got the nice scheme around them, like you know, <laughs> to make sure like their their weaknesses don't really fall through. Like you know, y'all, I, I haven't seen y'all in months, and I think we our relations have been fine. And because we we stay, technology allows us to keep in almost constant communication for good or bad. Um, and like you know, I don't think we're ever we're never. Of course, we're apart, but like we're not truly ever like out of each other's lives. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm still friends, Facebook friends with people I haven't talked to since high school, middle school. Facts. Like you know, and I'm still seeing, I'm, I'm seeing their families. I'm seeing like what they go going on the damn sure posting life updates and paragraphs on facebook and stuff like that like like you know so like i feel like there's so many different avenues and channels that we technology gives us to keep in touch i think we should just rely on a little bit more even a little quick well like, hey you know cute picture hey i hope you're doing well like you know those are those those little short conversations are sometimes can supplant a lot more in our minor times yeah um my non-serious answer is just make sure you have good friends um, oh no! Hey, that's a great answer. Actually. You know what I'm saying? I would have said not serious, but a very basic answer. Um, there's not really a uh, a numerical cap to how many friends you should have. That's very yeah. subjective to the person. Some people have three friends. Some people have three hundred. Um, and so when it comes to maintaining long distance relationship, I think uh, you need to just know how to just check up on people and sometimes take them out of time to sit down, like. I got folks I, I won't talk to for weeks, months at a time, sometimes even years, but like, you know, I might text them, I'll call them up and check how they're doing. We might sit on the phone for three hours. That might be the first time we talked in a minute, but I consider them my friend. Um, I think everybody's life is different and the ability to communicate is important, but the, the frequency in which you communicate with an individual is really up to that person's personality. So. Uh, I think you need to be gracious and patient with individuals, especially if they're all long distance, especially if they're different time zones, especially if they work different jobs, different hours, whatever. Um, but it's just understanding or, and you don't always gotta be the bestest of friends with people. Sometimes your friendship can be, both of y'all have an interest in something. And that's mm -hmm. where maintain your friendship. You don't have to integrate your, your friendship and know all life aspects of that individual and, you know, feel like you're tied to them at the hip forever. Like, that's crazy. Like if you try to become deep friends with everybody you meet, you're not going to maintain all the good relationships you want to make. Um, and so just keep, just be mindful, be patient. Um, don't be on somebody's hip. Um, that's number one advice. Don't be on somebody's hip, let the hip live. And I think you'd be straight. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing that I would add, and I think Steven gives this as advice, but he actually, you know, does it in practice as well is if you're thinking about somebody and you know, you want to send a text, send it. Right. And I think it goes back to to that initial life lesson that I mentioned is that life is just too short. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people say, hey, I'm going to you know, I'll send it next week. I'll send it tomorrow. And, and, you know, they never send it. So that's the one thing. And I'm, again, this goes back to having good friends, you know, seeing Steven be like, oh, I just talked to so and so. I ain't talked to him in six months. And me thinking, like, <laughs> dang, I said, I said, I, I literally said I was going to text so and so last week and I never did. <laughs> And so making sure that you actually, you know, send the text, schedule the, you know, the Zoom meet, schedule the Zoom call and, you know, have mm -hmm. a wind down or whatever the case it is and just chop it up or, you know, take the trip and, you know, say, hey, I'm going to go visit so-and-so. They moved to go visit, find a way to go visit. You know, life is too short. So that's sure. that's my last tip that I would that I would say is, you know, do it. Just reach out. Just ask the question. Just say, how you doing? Just say, hey. You know, but also, you know, use social media. I think Mike gave a great example. We have all this technology, you know, just make sure we're utilizing it positive, uh, in a positive light. So thank y'all so much. That was Table Talk. And so let's quickly do plug a plug. Um, we got a new training business, um, virtual training as well, in-person training. Uh, so make sure y'all go follow we're going to put the link in the bio, Elite Games Fitness. I know it's, it's summertime. Summertime is here. So make sure you're maintaining the summer body. Make sure you're working on everything else for the winter and just staying healthy, you know, staying in the lab. Everybody want to be in the gym. Um, and this is, you know, full-fledged fitness training. So meal prep as well, um, all of that stuff. 
So make sure y'all follow Elite Gains Fitness. We're going to put all the information in the description of this episode. So that's Plug a Plug. And now to everybody's favorite segment. Pass the Ox. Pass the Ox. And I definitely saw I definitely saw some songs that I like. So I think we got a good week of Pass the Ox this week all around. I can't even remember. This this your favorite genre, that's what <laughs> the facts. <laughs> it's like big I facts. Okay. All right, so shout out to my guy, uh, Pink Sweats, man. I got one of his songs from his new, I think it's an album. It's called Pink Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a song with everybody's favorite um, blast feature. No, no, so the song is titled, I'm sorry, hold on. I pulled up the thing. The song is titled For Me, featuring Blast by Pink Sweats. This often Love pouring out like a faucet Revive it in me That pain make you cautious And my shoes, they got mileage My back on the wall and I'm still standing tall Cause even in the darkness I can see What's for me is for me It's mine, it's mine It's all clear to see so clear to see, yeah, I know it's for me, it's for me. It's mine. It's mine. Who am I to style when there's kids on the block looking up to me? Made it look good when it was ugly. Don't change banner, but the trauma still be hunting me. Add a couple commas, need the whole gang comfortably. No, my true to mama feel like painting in my company. Said I only make up time for what I want, and that's what stuck with me. Hope you see the picture that I'm painting of this money tree. Trying to keep the balance, that's what humbled me. I'm feeling godly. I break the chains that confine me. Light live inside me, so even in the darkness, I can see what's for me is for me. What's mine is mine. It's so clear to see. It's so clear to see. Yeah, I know it's for me, for me. Again, that's for me, featuring Blast by Pink Sweats. Shout out to One Five. Shout out to my silly, silly great Pink Sweats. Yes, he's a cool dude. I watched a couple of interviews with him like last year. Yeah. Ago. Alright, I'm gonna I'm go next. I'm gonna let Corey get his little finale because I like his song, actually. Um, my song, uh, New Artist, sent to me by a friend. Shout out to them. Um, this is Geo Express. Um, song's called High Tension featuring Tony C. With the hustle for my girls in the country and the girls in the overseas, yeah. FNM, yeah. the way you move your body and make a good breath. Sit at your dress, and why you take it off from under the bed? Yeah, I say I'm a pastor. All I can say that it's juncture. Oh, baby girl, you my intention. And when we fuck, say my heart is stuck. Give me a love. This my time if we do it on my own. Uh, she trust me, I don't know. Oh, baby, slow down. From the PSGT with me, I just up. I just said you represent me, can't fuck up. But this part of me already meet that pastor. 
I did pray to God, say I know it's my transplant But my shima, she take on her with us Nobody play with my baby, she my chica Fine pretty lady, mama sit down Yeah, I say I'm a special All I can say is that it's sanctioned Oh baby girl, you my intention And when we fuck, say my heart is stuck Give me a love This my son, if we do it on my own uh, She trust me, I don't know Oh baby, slow So we pull up at the bank Cause she wall up at the racks But it don't matter I love you baby No matter what happens You got me first place Be like sitting on my last bus stop Baby this your love Is a high tension But we gotta have enough When we keys And we fuck As I thought But the yeah You're like all day Tension from Tony C. Um, High Tension by Geo Express, featuring Tony C. Off the project Express Rhythm. Uh, Apple Music Down has that as alternative. The beat style is very Afrocentric. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it Afro beats, but it's definitely mm -hmm. Afrocentric. So check him out. Um, new and upcoming artist. I know he's got some things going on, so that'll be real cool. You gotta, uh, you gotta teach me one day about uh, Afro beats and how to discern. Between like even between Afro me, rap, Afro pop, yeah. Afro beat, Afro central, yeah, Afro yeah. R&B. Like if someone told me that's Afro beat song, I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's hard for me. Like I don't know how to discern the melodies and stuff like that. That's mm. a really different conversation. So, Definitely yeah. different conversation. I got yeah, you. yeah, yeah. I got um, you. But I guess we could just play a Corey song. Uh, I, I, I bet you five uh, five bucks since device died. That is my, my bet right now. Because both my phone and my laptop were on this life alert, and I was just chilling here like life was sweet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Corey's song it was fine because I actually had this in my library before. Uh, it's mm -hmm. called Favors, John Vinyl, Vision of, of Avery. I want to say Avery, but it's A V R Y, so Avery. Maybe Avery. Song's called Favors. Um, let's do this one. I've been smoking way too much She say that it's been too much Girls they ask me if I'm cuffed But it's only been two months Looking at you making love Slide to the left, make that adjust Without you I feel so undone Looking up I take a breath It's only like 8 o'clock, yeah She don't wanna text it And I know you're going out, yeah But I'm not against it Just tell me what you want, yeah Cause I can't guess it Just put it on a checklist Yeah. Cause if it ain't you, I get like that Pull it like six, you been like that You don't wanna talk, got too much class Skip a couple steps and you bring that back You say my name and say it's changed It's been like that It's been like that What you got? Is it something that I need or is it not? I'll do favors for you when I'm on the clock Changing my opinions when we talk I'll do favors for you when I'm on the clock Is it something that I need or is it not? I'll do favors for you when I'm on the clock Changing my opinions when we talk I'll do favors for you when I'm on the clock Thinking all day, she don't like change Pull up in her range, what an exchange Going both ways, turn a new page You can say the word, I'ma fly right away, yeah Never thought I'd do this much for you, no, no I know you like satisfaction and you like much these days And you don't like acting average, but I don't need much to amaze And we might have some baggage, but I don't got much to say 
Let's just take some chances, fly your central plane. What you got? Is it something that I need or is it not? I'll do favors for you when I'm on the clock. Changing my opinions when we talk. I'll do favors for you when I'm on the clock. Is it something that I need or is it not? I'll do favors for you. Shout out to John Vinyl and Avery. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, favors. Make sure I go check that out. But I really, I really rock with John Vinyl heavy. So um, that was good. He has so few songs though. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, he definitely does. But make sure y'all check out John Vinyl if you haven't. I'm pretty sure we played him before. Um, but make sure y'all go check him out. I uh, check out Avery as well. And so with that being said, uh, that is episode 84 of After Dinner Conversations. Um, I appreciate the conversation. Um, hopefully y'all appreciate it as well. Make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe, all podcast streaming platforms. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, and we'll be back next week. All right. Peace and safe. See you.